Welcome everybody to the H3 podcast. Today we have Stevo, beloved by all, one of the most cherished and wonderful people on this planet, and we have a fantastic conversation with him. Before we get into that, I quickly want to thank our sponsor, ExpressVPN, and let you guys know that there is a new September release at TeddyFresh.com. Let me briefly show you what we've got out. New color block hoodies. Ba boom. We've got this one. Here, let me zoom in a little bit for you. Not a very high-res photo, but you get the idea. This one's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. New color blocks. New felt hats. I love this hat. I lost mine. I need Ela to bring me new ones. But, oh man, it's such a nice hat. New Ela Klein original. Her marker drawing. This is what I'm wearing now. It's awesome. Shorts. Uh, grandpa jacket. This is everyone's favorite piece. My, all, my grandpa died and all he left me was this jacket. Passed away and left me all this jacket. Excuse me. Anyway, really nice jacket. God bless. And then we've got some striped shirts and all kinds of colors. This is my brainchild, of course, which is a skeleton burning violently and then the lyrics to Friends on the bottom. So no one told you life was going to be this way. It's a, it, I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want that? Uh, that's my favorite piece. I mean, I made it, so maybe a little bit of a bias. Teddy Fresh crayon shirts, puffy paint. You know, yada, yada, yada. Just head on over to teddyfresh.com, peep out the new collection, and hopefully pick something up if you like it. All right? With that being said, let's jump right in to Steve-O. Today, your host, the Fresh Prince of Dead Air, brings you one of our most cher maybe most cherished guests of all time, <clears throat> Steve-O, a man who needs no introduction at all, is with us here via the power of Zoom. And I do want to tell you, Steve-O, before we get into any conversation at all, Ian, can you please pull up Steve-O's WikiFeet page? So it's customary here on the HU Podcast to rate our guests' WikiFeet. Are you aware of WikiFeet? Oh, wow, dude. I've heard about this. It's a uh, like a foot fetish thing, huh? <clears throat> yeah, and actually, I have to give it up to you, my dude. You have a pretty solid rating. A four, oh, nice. A 4.53. So that's definitely something to be proud of there. That's crazy because on my podcast, which is, of course, called Wild Ride with Steve-O, I'm always barefoot and I always get fucking comments about, dude, wash your feet. Your fucking feet are disgusting. Oh, okay, so that's, that's like, it's my disgusting, unclean feet, which... Uh, are responsible for my high rating, huh? Oh, that's I wonder... going straight on WikiFeet. Get me <laughs> in the middle. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. I think you just lost some points. Oh yeah, I don't know, dude. Maybe my other foot. Maybe maybe the other foot will bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, so Steve-O, I watched your new comedy special, Gnarly. Rad. Thank you, man. It was horrific and beautiful all at once. <clears throat> It's on stevo.com for 10 bucks. Apparently no streaming service would pick it up because it was just so obscene, is that right? Basically, yeah. It uh is got a lot of dicks. Well, most, it has just my dick. It's got a lot of my dick. It's got uh you know a lot of um heavy drugs, um a lot of uh 
criminal activity, grievous, grievous bodily harm. I really get get fucked up. Um, so between those things, um, the, it, it was tough to get it anywhere. And then, frankly, with the, uh, you know, the platforms that, you know, I think could have put it out, like Netflix, uh, you know, probably HBO and Showtime. I think that would be about it. And their position, I think, was that uh, viewing Steve-O as a crossover stand-up comedian, you know, not a pure lifelong stand-up comedian that, that I'm not prestigious enough to give a stand-up comedy special to. And that absolutely drove me nuts, man. That fucking, that drove me nuts because what I did with it, like, I, I, I don't think it's ever been done before to have uh, fully multimedia stand-up comedy with, uh, you know, because most comedians, I think, their stories that they're telling aren't true to begin with. And in my case, not only are they true, but I've got the footage to, like, really illustrate the stories. And uh, fuck, man, I just thought that between having the multimedia component and bringing the whole cast of Jackass together to do such awesome shit for it, that it was a no-brainer, a slam dunk. And I, and like you said, I couldn't fucking sell it, man. So was there anybody, I, did it, was anyone interested in the like, okay, we can do this, but you have to remove all the dicks and the gore and all this shit? Or was it all just I never, um, I never would have edited anything out, but it, but it didn't come to that. Yeah, it, so it didn't come to that. And I, I mean, honestly, I felt like, uh, like Dr. Dre when uh, I was watching his uh, Defiant Ones series on HBO. He said that they had the chronic, you know, the chronic. And he brought it to all the record labels and they all passed on it. And, uh, and he's like, I knew it was fucking great. I think that's maybe why he started Aftermath Records, you know. And I was like just so fucking pissed that uh, I, I couldn't sell it. I thought it was just like such a slam dunk, millions of dollars. And um, I ended up putting it out on my own website, which in hindsight might have been fucking awesome too. It might have been completely rad because, and I'll tell you the business of it, you know, I spent just to shoot the fucking thing, like, I, a quarter million dollars easy. Just the night in the theater, I forget what, was it uh, 120, 170 or something, but I shot so many different things like to, to build into it, like that opening sequence, which I'm so stoked that when I was with you, we recorded the podcast last time, I told you, I was like, man, they're going to duct tape me to a side of a truck and I'm going to drive to Vegas. And we ended up uh, doing it in Denver. So the opening sequence, you see me riding duct tape to the side of this truck all the way to Denver. And uh, that plus all the other, you know, special scenes we shot for it, it was a fucking quarter million bucks by the time I filmed it. Easy. And there, I figured but, it would have cost yeah, more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, and well, then getting it out on my website took it like over $300,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, because th there was a lot in, in uh, you know... In uh, like promotion, hiring the publicist with the mixing, you know, and then I bought the fucking billboard to promote it, with, you know, right, right with the Hollywood sign in the background, and then I fucking hired two two uh, 
cranes. I had a fucking construction team with two cranes and, and got me all up on the fucking billboard. Uh, See, so yeah, it was a lot. But uh, thankfully, I made my money back. Yeah, you know? was, and, and, and some. Good. Like, uh, I mean, thank yeah, God. like, I checked it last night and, um, and uh, with like uh, having spent three hundred grand, like I've brought in five hundred and twenty three thousand so there you far. Go. So that's so I'm in the profit zone. Thank God for that. Well, now it's all it's all just money, and I think I think people if they go over to Steve.com and watch Gnarly, they're going to be very satisfied with their ten dollars. This man well, died. Thank you. Nearly died for this shit. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, my philosophy is that, um, you know, I, I, that I really think anybody who does stream it from stevo.com is going to be thoroughly happy with it because this project marries all of my worlds together into one, you know? And it's like, not only am I not uh, fucking any wiser or, you know, like I'm doing dumber shit than ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you know what? I was like, man. I was just wondering, like, when is he going to get too old for this shit? Because your body cannot be getting stronger or more durable as you age. And the shit that you're doing in this is is crazier than anything you've done. Right. At what point are I, you just going to have to call it a day on this stuff? Dude, I've got the next... Uh... I mean, depending on when, um, you know, the, the world opens back up, so to speak... I mean, I've got the next. I've got the next project fucking done. You know, like um, the 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 follow up to gnarly is is fucking finished, man. Um, and I've been touring with it because really? I'm yeah, I'm I'm so fucking pissed about this, dude. I taped the gnarly special in January of 2018, so I it didn't come out until I'd been fucking sitting on it for two and a half years. And, and and when I failed to get anybody to fucking buy it, and which drives me fucking crazy just to say that, but um, that, like I didn't get discouraged and say like, oh, okay, I'm gonna fucking, you know, just hang it up, whatever. You know, nobody was interested. Fuck that. I doubled down, dude. I doubled down and I knew exactly what the follow-up to Gnarly was gonna be because... Uh, I was because I the thing about gnarly, there's all this storytelling, and then each bit in the act inspires like a crazy new stunt, and I was just excited about making the follow up, like no more fucking memory lane bullshit, like a hundred percent brand new, like over the just over the top stuff, and then the question of what to do next, like I already had the answer because, like for all of these last 20 years since Jackass started, there's been like a handful of ideas that I had and just never fucking thought I was going to do them. You know, like they were just like the go-to, like, oh, skydiving, like only if I'm butt naked with the tandem instructor strapped to my back and I'm furiously jacking off and I time it so I fall out of the airplane while I'm coming everywhere. That's disgusting, <laughs> you know? bro. Yeah, it's called skyjacking. That's the closer for the bucket. The bucket list. What this new this new one is called the bucket list. And like I had, you know, for decades, I had the idea to get a vasectomy. And and right after I get the vasectomy, go like 
get on a horse, bareback horseback riding, bouncing up and down yeah, on my balls, on. and like, uh huh, and 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 like dressed up as a pinata with all the kids hitting me in the balls with with a stick. They're the vasectomy Olympics. So did you do um, that? Oh yeah. So Dude, you're all I had another up now. All snipped no up. No kids. Too. Super, no kids, man. Because mm. I know you've just and, you got engaged at the end of the special. Congratulations! Right. I mean, it's really beautiful. It, Seems like a really beautiful, wholesome relationship. I knew she was special when she encouraged you to eat your burned, dead skin. <laughs> so that yeah. was a really uh, touching moment in the in gnarly. Yeah, dude. Thank you, man. Yeah, she's definitely the one. And uh, oh, there was another the moment, if I can interject, when she injected hot sauce into your uh, asshole. I thought that was yeah. a really beautiful. Uh, I realized you guys were kindred spirits then as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, she never wanted kids. I don't want kids. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah. Fuck it, dude. Dogs? We're all about animals. Yeah, dogs are great. Yeah, we have four dogs. We have uh, two cats. We've got three goats. Like all right here at our house. I wanted to ask you about uh, your animal rights advocacy because it, it's always been sure. something that uh, stood out to me as interesting. You've lived such a crazy life. Um, what is it about animals? I mean, of all the causes you could take up in the world, why is it that you're so passionate about animal animal rights? Um, you know, it. Uh, I. I, I think i can i can distill this down to a pretty bite-sized uh timeline um w when i was at ringling brothers and barnum and bailey clown college you know i think it's pretty well known that my career began as a circus clown and when i was in clown college the uh, public relations department for the ringling brothers and barnum and bailey circus paid us a visit and they said some of you are going to be working for the the greatest show on earth the ringling brothers barnum and bailey circus and what that's going to entail is is arriving in the city like a week in advance of the circus to do uh interviews to promote you know um, and when you're doing these interviews uh, some people are going to ask you about animal abuse, you know, like with the, with the elephants, all the tigers, everything in the circus. And if you, if and when you get asked about animal abuse, you shut the fuck up. You have no opinion. You're a fucking clown. You fall down. You don't say anything, you know, like that's how I remember them kind of coming at us. And I thought, well, shit, the way that they're approaching this with us seems like it's really fucking shady, you know? So if I, if I could point to a moment where, animal abuse and animal rights like first occurred to me because I never, never even thought of it before that and I thought man maybe the circus is fucked up and then I went on to work in the circus and um, not, not the ringling circus but I worked in another circus that had three elephants and a tiger and dude the fucking circus owners were more terrified of their own elephants than anybody in the audience the tiger went from its whole life from one box to another box back and forth and both boxes were like the fucking length of the tiger's body i was i was kind of fucking upset about it you know like the elephants and the, i was like fuck this then um you know my last day working in the circus was my first day filming jackass it was just that like i washed off my clown makeup no i was with knoxville like they fucking filmed my last performance and then i was off you know 
with Jackass after that. Once I had a platform, and uh, I, you know, I'm doing like talking to big audiences, I would bitch about the animals in the circus. I was like, fuck that, dude. I was in the circus and fuck that, man. Those animals are abused. And so then, you know, when I went on one of my rants about the animal abuse in the circus, then the people from PETA reached out to me and said, hey, could we get you to say that for, for PETA? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm an attention whore. You got a camera? I'm in. <laughs> and, uh, and so I did that. And then I've never supported PETA on like, a, you know, across the board because they've got some wacky views, man. I don't back everything that they're about. But what I did was just gradually kind of bit by bit I, on, on an issue by issue basis, I became more in, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I don't fucking, uh, yeah, I won't wear fur because I don't eat mink was my first thing. They said, oh, cool, we'll do an anti-fur campaign. And I gradually, and then when I was so out of control on drugs and hallucinating everywhere, with all the and, and that was one of the most popular things from our last podcast was the ghost stories where I was talking about all the fucking crazy experience I had with spirit fucking ghost shit and and when I was when I was like watching people walk around and walk through walls and all this shit I was like so in love with the experience of it and I was so interested to learn about like what the fuck was going on with the spirit world and so there I am with all my drugs piles of fucking coke and nitrous all this crazy shit and uh i'm researching spirit world like watching youtube videos and i saw this fucking like harry krishna guy from india or something and he's this wise guru man and he says how can you expect to be saved if you eat meat <laughs> you know and he was just like you know, and I was like, right there, I was like, boom, fuck, I, I want to be saved, <laughs> so, you know, so that was where I, I stopped eating meat, except for fish, and I just, it just came more and more, you know, the, the more, when I got sober, like, the, if I could make decisions based on kind of just being compassionate, then that helped build up my self-esteem, you know, like, I had, a, I had it pretty low, where I was, you know, just kind of, you know, my life was not good and I built myself back up by making decisions that I could be proud of and, and a lot of that was uh, just turning my attention to animals why is it that fish always get the the exception I always wondered that I was me too man that was when I, when I first decided but I'm going to keep eating fish it was because I said uh, well eating fish has to be cool because fucking Jesus was a fisherman you know, I, I I no longer believe that Jesus had fucking anything to do with fish or fishermen or or fishing. Uh, but I got to say that I went back to eating fish. I was vegan for, uh, fuck, I, I was vegan for years. And then I went back to eating fish uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I think it's good for me. Number two, I've got all these animals that I can't feed a vegan diet you know and so giving fish to my that's all my you know the dog food every the cat food i like i i, I limit it at fish mm. and and i'm like what am i gonna feed the fucking fish to my pets and not eat it myself i think it's good for me and so it is good for you yeah i just i find yeah. that a lot of vegetarians just they there's this one like uh kurt cobain line he says it's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings you know that's not true 
<laughs> they they did. Yeah. They tot they totally have feelings. They totally have feelings. They totally have Yeah. They have families, they have fucking like, you know, emotions. All, I believe all that. But uh, what what helps me a little bit is that, you know, the most horrifying of all is factory farming. Right. You know, like right. it's just factory farming with the eggs and, you know, the all the the, the chickens, just the the conditions that they have animals living in farms is awful, yeah. and 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 with wild caught fish, in my view, that fish had a great life, just roaming around, swimming in the ocean, you know, and then it got fucking caught, and 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 it, you know, it had its death. Well, everything dies, but you know, I think death is pretty easy. In the grand scheme of things, it's going to happen anyway. It's it's how you live that's important. And I like to think, even if it's naive, that the fish that I eat had a good life swimming around, you know? Yeah, I think that's a fair observation. Is a guy like you afraid of death, I wonder? Because you, you squirt no. by it. You know, no. Are you um, really, though? Are you really, like, totally unafraid of death? I mean... I'm, I'm afraid of suffering. Yeah. And I think that that's the, I think the actual being dead has to be okay. Otherwise we're really fucked, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, God, like I can't, I can't subscribe to an idea that being dead is a bad thing. You know, being dead is not sure. death itself. I'm not worried about, you know, it's like the idea of prolonged pain and suffering. Yeah. That's and, um, and, and even more than that, I think what's terrifying is, uh, I'm not gonna be here anymore. You know, like they, you're, you asked a, a big question. You know, and mortality is—it's not necessarily oh, I'm gonna be dead, but like I'm not gonna be here anymore. You know, like like we have uh, as as humans, we have only one instinct, which is to survive. Right. And we have only one guarantee: we won't survive. So like, wait a second, hold, like, hold on here. The one fucking thing that matters to us above all else, the one fucking thing we're trying to avoid is the only thing that we can be sure of. Hmm. So this is like some kind of a fucking catch 22, like prank on us. What the fuck is this human experience? But a fucking awful joke where the one thing we're passionate about is the only fucking it's it's fucked. The inevitability, so then, yeah. Right. So I, I view that as really the big picture of the human experience is to one way or another wrap your head around your mortality. You know, to come to terms with okay, like I'm gonna die, and how's that okay? And I think that there are three ways that people typically have done it throughout history. Number one being to reproduce. You know, there's this idea that, yeah, I'll be gone, but my legacy will live on. I'm gonna have children who will, you know, keep me alive, you know? And like, we've covered that. I don't fucking wanna reproduce, you know? So that doesn't work for me. I think the other way, the other way people wrap their head around death is uh, religion, you know, where they subscribe to some like sort of fairy tale notion that, uh, you know, if they do X, Y, or Z, that they're going to be in heaven and uh, everything. So that's, you know, I'm going to be dead, but I'll be in heaven. And like the, the idea of a heaven, which is exclusive to people who subscribe to one absurd belief is fucking just pisses me off, man. You know, I grew up with people of all faiths, 
And like, if, if they're not all welcome in heaven, then fuck it, I don't want to go. Mm. You know, it's religion. I've always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, so that's not my gig. And then the third way that we sort of come to terms with death, you know, I like the fucking cavemen scrawling the fucking stick figures on the cave wall because they know they're going to be dead, but their fucking stick figures will outlive them. Mm -hmm. You know, now that's me. Mm. 100%. That's me. That's where I turned to the video camera, you know, as a failing college student. I was like, dude, I'm going to fail at life because I can't keep a job and I can't fucking go to class I can't survive, but before I fucking die, man, I'm going to load up my message into the bottle. I'm going to fucking videotape crazy shit, and those videos are going to live on. So when I'm dead, like, it'll be cool because I'll still be alive with the fucking immortality of the video. Can I ask and that you was something? Like, yeah. I, 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 this is kind of like a broad question, but you ever think about, like, how you ended up the way you are? You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly. At a young age, you were like already living w way too fast and too hard, you know, with the clown college and the drug use. And just like you just said yourself, you didn't plan, I don't think, to live very long. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect to see the age of yeah. 30. I, I never, you know, and, and from the age, from when I was eight, I don't think I was, I ever, like, I had the idea I was going to be dead young. So, did you have like childhood trauma? Sort of. Here's the. This is real simple because, like the the, my mom's side of the family is a hundred percent alcoholic, like like it's alcohol, drugs, gambling, suicide. Like this is just the whole every leaf on the tree, you know. Like, uh, my mom, her brother, and her sister. There were three siblings all dead from alcoholism a hundred percent you know cirrhosis like you know like you know they're, like whatever all the way up as far as anybody can remember every single person died of alcoholism suicide like you know whatever um so there's this kind of deviance of course with that said my mom was the the smart one my mom was the funny one my mom was the one with the personality mm. but then my my dad's side of the family was a hundred percent uh theologians zoologists fucking clergymen mm. you know like decorated academics like super decorated academics and my dad was uh sort of the black sheep of the family for going into business you know they were like there's nobody ever on my dad's side of the family made a lot of money but they were just respected fucking good ass people and my dad was this hustler you know he fucking top of his class he went on to become uh, the president of Pepsi-Cola in all of Brazil, the president of Nabisco. Like, I grew up in a privileged-ass upbringing. Mm. And, and, uh, and it's like I'm a hybrid of these two family trees, you know? It's like I've got my dad's, my dad's drive, my dad's fucking hustle, and that's the engine for my mom's deviance you know i'm just this fucking alcoholic deviant just with hustle so did, yeah. did your mom kind of what was it like growing up with your mom did she was there moments where you kind of saw either that dark side of her or like she kind of oh yeah did she abuse you she, no 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 there wasn't any abuse but um i was born in england 
And my family moved to Brazil when I was just six months old. So um, that was because dad got the job of president of Pepsi Cola in all of Brazil. And they were balling, dude. They were, the shit was popping off, man. Like when you're living in Brazil and you have like this kind of status, like it's, I mean, the cost of living was cheap as fuck. So if you're making, if you're making any kind of real money living in Brazil, you're balling. And they were like balling, balling. So they had live-in maids, which, uh, you know, essentially raised me, you know, like I, I actually spoke my first words in Portuguese because I, the only people fucking paying attention to me were the live-in maids who spoke Portuguese. So it's not like hard to imagine, you know, how I became such a fucking attention whore because mom and dad weren't paying any attention to me. And that's not because they were abusive or, you know, they were just balling and fucking partying and like didn't have time. So I think that there's a big component in that that makes me like really overdeveloped my need for attention. Mm. And uh, and as such, I'm a, I like to consider myself a world-class attention whore. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> You've achieved a lot through that uh, singular trait. Yeah. But so I know I, I stumbled onto a really great character defect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've worked it to your advantage for sure. So your dad was your mom working when you guys were in Brazil? She wasn't. She went to nursing school, and uh, I want to say that she dropped out of nursing school um, when uh, she married my dad. And to my mom's credit, my dad, when they married, had not. Uh, had like huge success you know my wife was not jumping on the bandwagon of uh, you know, my, my mom she, like dad hadn't done shit yet and then and, and he did it he succeeded after marrying my mom which I think is really cool yeah that is nice your dad was in your special are do you hold yeah. any grudges or resentments to your parents still as a as you no 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 no, 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 not at all, not at all. And with my dad, uh, it's it's so rad to me that that my dad uh, didn't jump on any bandwagons with with me. You know, just kind of figuring things out. Like um, I I had this crazy dad. Dad wasn't supportive of me dropping out of college. He was not fucking feeling clown college he he fucking hated every word i had to say about i'm gonna become a crazy famous stuntman he fucking hated all of it and uh and 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 to his credit it was before i um before i had ever even made a fucking penny being a dumbass asshole stuntman that my dad came to me and he said hey i gotta tell you i feel i've done a disservice to you by not supporting you in this career path that you're clearly committed to mm. you know and uh and he, he said i feel like i've done a disservice and i want you to know that sure you didn't choose what i would have wanted you to do but i see that you're committed i just want you to be the best and i've got your back you know, he get, and I think a lot of fathers have had that talk with their kids. You know, he Not said, oh, "Okay, <laughs> that, um, my uh, my dad said that how how his his dad totally didn't support him going into business." You know, I, I said he was well, the black sheep. Change, huh? 
Yeah, he was don't a, you dare go into business. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Don't. So, what, you're going to be a ca- a capitalist, greedy scumbag in in a business suit. My dad was like, yeah. He's like, and and his his dad had the same talk with him. I'm going to throw it to a quick break, and then when we come back, we will continue this conversation with Steve-O. When you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? You don't want random passerbyers looking in on you, so why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Or in some stalls, they leave that little crack that gives me a ton of anxiety. You ever meet eyes through the crack? I always do like this, you know, when I'm taking a dump and there's that giant crack. Then somebody walks by and, and you catch their eye. That's fucked up. And ExpressVPN closes that crack for you. Did you know that your internet service provider like Comcast or Verizon knows every single website you visit, Ian? Did you know that, Ian? Yeah, be careful. And what's worse is they can sell this info to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices, and it works on everything. Phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. Hmm. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing a bathroom door. You just fire up the app, you click one button, and bada boom, you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So, if you're like me and you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash h3 today. Use my exclusive link expressvpn.com slash h3 and you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash h3. Welcome back. Real quick, Zach, you had a question for Steve-O. Yeah, you know, I, I loved your new special, Steve-O, and, like, I grew up a Jackass fan. Um, when you put that condom full of weed in you, how did you not die from that? Like, that was insane. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, again, thank you so much for watching it, dude. I really, I, I love everything about that damn gnarly special. And, uh, you know, the, the idea for the drug smuggling bit where in the special I get arrested for international drug smuggling. It came from staying at this chick's house. There was a period when I first moved out to LA where Chris Pontius and I were both completely homeless and we had this running competition to see who could stay homeless the longest despite the fact that now we were earning enough money to be able to rent an apartment. You know, it was like, it was this funny game that we were playing. And at a, at a certain point, we were both staying at this girl's house. She was out of town. We were uh, house-sitting, taking care of her dog, which was this little 10-pound, like, fucking terrier, f- whatever. And so Chris and I come back from the bar with these two chicks. We're in this girl's place, and we're, we both in separate rooms are humping these these Danish chicks, right? They were both from Denmark. And uh, 
as per usual, I had this little habit where I took off my soiled condom and like would tie it in a knot and like, you know, I would like swirl it around and be like, woo, yeah, you know, and I'd throw it, right? Like, so I did that in, in, in this girl's house. I threw my tied in a knot rubber through it and then I'm whatever at the time I was smoking cigarettes smoking a cigarette and I remember seeing the little 10 pound dog come in, running into the room and it runs out of the room and I'm like oh, okay you know that's uh and then, but then after I get done with my cigarette I, I get up and I look on the ground I'm like where's the condom like it's not here and I'm, and I'm thinking oh no so in my view this is the word because the girl whose house we were staying at had a boyfriend you know, and like if this dog picked up the condom and took it on like a little victory lap and dropped it somewhere else where the fucking boyfriend's going to find it in her place, like that's going to be a problem. So I'm all kinds of fucking stressed out about it. And like and then and I can't find it anywhere. And then even worse, what if the dog swallowed the fucking thing and it gets tangled up in the dog's intestines or something? And like, you know, the dog dies because it fucking gobbled my rubber. So I was like the rest of the time at this girl's house, I'm like walking the dog. I'm like, you know, like checking every, you know, when the dog poops. I think, I forget how long it was. It wasn't too long, but I woke up from a crazy drug bender at like fucking six and six p.m. or something. And right next to the bed I was sleeping in is this piece of fucking dog poop which just morphed into my rubber. You know? It was like it was like half log and half rubber. <laughs> yeah. And 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 like I and I grabbed my camera and fucking uh <laughs> I grabbed my camera and and lifted it up by the ring of the rubber and it, the the rubber gets like all straightened out and at once it re once it's fully straight the the piece of dog poo is just sticking out perpendicular in the middle <laughs> you know and you can see the whole load Disgusting. of cum was was intact in the you know after passing through the whole dog yeah. that whole the whole load was just perfectly intact in the rubber and uh, you know I put it out on my first uh, my first DVD which I actually just uploaded into this video library at stevo.com when you see the first stevo don't try this at home video and career ender that's on there but uh but yeah so i felt like fuck okay thank god we figured that out i got a cool piece of footage out of it but i felt fucking bad when mike comes coming out of that dog's asshole it's not it's not a lot different than the dog being sodomized by me <laughs> you know just the, the comes going in the other direction you know and uh, and I felt that I owed it to that dog somehow. And so I was like, okay, you know, if the dog can swallow a condom and have it come out all intact, then I should be able to as well. So that was the birth of the idea. How am I going to, what am I going to do swallowing a condom? And then when I went on the Europe tour, I said, dude, I'm going to load up a condom with fucking weed in one country and then fly to the next country and shit it out and smoke it. And so that was the where the idea, but it turned into this crazy debacle because like Zach said, Dead, it would fucking thing wouldn't come out and i thought i was gonna die because it was gonna block up all of my shit you know you stuff a it, lot i think you put you put a lot yeah, of weed in there a lot i know I and i choked on it thing down man 
Yeah. I didn't even think I did. It was stuck in my throat, you know? Like, it was the most, it was the most fucking scary thing. And then everyone was telling me that, like, you can get blockage in your intestines. And, like, you know, and, and like, and I, so I was really worried that I was going to die of intestinal strangulation. And uh, I fucking, I, I expressed these concerns to every media outlet that I talked to. That was just like, and and they're not fucking cool about drugs in Sweden. They really aren't. So so yeah, the, the, it came out in the newspaper that I had drugs in my body before the drugs were out of my body. <laughs> you know? And and uh, the cops fucking swooped in to fucking nail me for international drug smuggling. The whole story is crazy, and it's in the gnarly special. So. By all means, please go over to uh, stevo.com and uh, and stream that motherfucker. There's th- that's like the most square <laughs> shit I ever heard. Like I, apparently, there's so little going on in Sweden. The cops arrested you and then <laughs> made you shit in a cup for a week to yeah. check for the weed. Yeah, it wasn't in a cup. It was a bag. It was it was the, it, was, it was a fucking uh, a, a little yeah. It was a toilet that had like a bag set up in the bowl. Oh, that's so. So th- this isn't the first time they've dealt with this issue, <laughs> <laughs> right? I get it. So the most discussed, I mean, <clears throat> the part that stands out to me from gnarly is the jet fuel accident. Yeah, you, you laid in jet fuel and got third degree burns all over your body, and you didn't go to the hospital for like a week too. So everything was all infected and pussy. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, your your fiance or now wife is it? I uh, still haven't gotten married. Yeah. We're we're waiting to buy a big farm that we're going to get married on. Oh, perfect. Fiance uh, was encouraging you to because your skin was just coming off and yeah. peels, and and then you started eating it. How was that experience? Well, I mean, you tossed it down real fast, but that technically makes right. you a cannibal, doesn't it? It does, man. Like, um, what it was was that, that, you know, the skin was just, the skin was just falling off my body wholesale. And as each patch came off, I, I threw them into the toilet. I threw it all. And then it just occurred to me, like, looking in the toilet at all this skin floating in there, I was just like, that is a sight to behold. You know, that's something, that's something that's pretty fucking remarkable. Right, I was like, okay, so I got my girl to film, and I scooped it out of the toilet, and then we had this whole conversation about it. I was like, I should not eat that, and she's like, quiet. I'm like, your 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 silence is speaking volumes, <laughs> you know? Like, you want me to eat this? And she's like, <laughs> so and, uh, does she not yeah, gag was, during that? Does she have a really strong stomach to be able to watch you do that? It's so interesting how like. Like the 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 workings of my girl's mind, like the things that she's perfectly comfortable with, like are just outrageous. You know, like she didn't gag; she was like totally supportive of like, yeah, fucking eat your skin. That's great. You know, oh, you know, like uh, she filmed me drinking the blister juice and and had no problem. Oh with yeah, that. I, was, I wanted to ask you about that. We'll we'll work up into right. that. And and for for anybody that's concerned that this might all be too gross, it, keep in mind that's I saved that for the end. You know, me getting third degree burns all over my body and skin graft surgery and all of this stuff we're describing right now is the closer for for the gnarly so specials. After so. you after you eat your own flesh, 
And by yeah. the way, so you're like, there's a moment where their flesh is kind of peeling off, and you're jiggling it, and you can see there's like actually just liquid in there. Like, what kind? What oh, is yeah. that liquid? That liquid is the body's response to burns. You know, like it's it's it was just blister juice. And I was just burned so fucking badly that I had not like blisters, but I had huge bags of of blister juice. You ever, just, you, you ever wish they'd bottle that stuff for you? I don't wish they bottled it, but it is it is fascinating that um you know, that's the body's response. That's why there is juice in the blister. It's your body's way of trying to cool it down. You know, like uh, your body sends out, you know, sends out this liquid to just try to cool down the area. And um, when I drank it, uh, as as disgusting as it looked, like, you know, all yellow and, and fucking, you know, crazy looking, um, it, it honestly didn't taste like anything, man. It didn't, it did not taste salty. It didn't, it just, it just tasted like water. Um, bro, it didn't look and, like and, water. And, 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 and that shit, that shit was so gross. I saved that for like the fucking credits. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, he takes a <laughs> knife and punctures it and then you fill up really a whole shot glass of it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh well, yeah. no. I mean, I, I ended up with skin grafts on 15% of my body, and so all of that was like blisters just all over me. And uh, the big bags, I think, just, I don't know. Yeah, it was fucking... So you, you, you described the doctors being shocked that you didn't come into the hospital early. Do you think you would have died if you didn't go in? Because it seemed like... I don't know. I don't know that I would have died, but God, I, that, that was the worst fucking pain I've ever experienced. And 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 the the saving grace of that is that by far the question I've been asked the most over the years is what was the most painful stunt you know like what hurt the most and the question like up until that point that question was just like frustrating to me because it, because there was no good answer I, I would I would be like first like frustrated that I got asked the question again and then I would say well. There are different criteria for pain. You know, there's the acuteness of the pain. Like, say, for example, if you get tased, you know, like electricity, very acute, but it's it's quick. You know, the most important criteria to me is the duration of the pain. You know, like pain that lasts for like, you know, a week or two weeks is, uh, you know, way more upsetting to me than, so there's all these different criteria. And then when I got the third degree burns like that, it checked every fucking box, man, because the shit, because the shit, like, I mean, even after I had the skin graft surgery for yet more weeks, it was the fucking unbearable pain, you know, like on the, the level of acute pain duration, like, I went on a whole like tour of burning it after that. And I heard over and over that people who have been shot like with guns and, you know, and or stabbed will all say that uh, that's nothing compared to third degree burns. Like universally, third degree burns are known as the most fucking horrific pain. And so I have an answer to the question. Now you can ask me what's, what hurt the most. And I'd be like, yeah, man, fucking fire angels. <laughs> yeah, fire <laughs> angels for sure, bro. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you seem so happy before the prank went off. You're like, fire angels, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you not do it or would you do it again? I mean, dude, that's the thing. Like if I knew that was going to happen, I would, it would be a really tough decision. 
to fucking to go through with it. You know, thank God time doesn't operate that way where you can go back because like, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. You know, let, let me let, let me show you right here the uh, the T-shirt that I was wearing. I'm gonna fucking break the fourth wall a little bit. Like, I was oh, fucking wearing. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's a prized, prized possession right there. Yeah, I remember when you stood up, the whole back of your ass was burned off like a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Another anecdote from from Gnarly is that when you were protesting SeaWorld, you climbed up on this crane and were shooting off fireworks, and the city, the response was so insane. They sent, like, SWAT teams yeah. and, like, 20 officers and fire department and 80, helicopters. yeah. How? 80 firefighters. Why? I mean, what? And then a SWAT. It's, why would they send a SWAT team? It's a really good question, man. <laughs> like, uh, well, like, that doesn't even make any sense. Well, the, It doesn't make any sense. But, the, the, I mean, I think that the explanation is that because the crane was 150 feet up in the air, that it was impossible to tell... Uh, who it was climbing up on that crane or why they were climbing up on that crane. And the backpack that I was wearing, um, you know, which had my inflatable killer whale and, you know, other, you know, my fireworks and stuff. Maybe I was some kind of a terrorist. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. I guess the times were a little wild. Yeah, it follows that it would have made some sense to do a little bit of investigation before deploying so many uh, first responders. But, you know, what, what can I do? I can't second guess it. Uh, and, and I deserved all the trouble I got in for that. I legitimately felt fucking awful. Well, you my know, question like, is, I know they sent you a bill. So I was just yeah. wondering how much was the bill? Um, I approached it... Um, as uh, my investment was in um, the attorney, you know, I think I uh, I I got like the most impressive attorney that I could get in that situation, and the attorney ended up costing more than the bill right. for the restitution, right. because I think that had it gone in front of uh, like a, a trial jury. You know, and the, the obvious question that would, you know, require an answer is the very question that you just asked. Why the fuck did they need a SWAT team? What was the purpose in 80 firefighters? Like, why, like, why the helicopter? Why, why all this? Like, you know, that was such a, an overblown, overkill response. And I think that it, when it came down to, uh, you know what's what's called arbitration where they actually figure out like what should this asshole have to pay i think that the uh the overblown response would uh would really be under the microscope and um so i'll go ahead and tell you dude i spent 20 grand on the lawyer and and he got the restitution um at fourteen thousand. damn that's not bad it's not bad yeah, like you could argue could, i gotta say you could you could really argue that that was fucking totally worth it, man. You know, that's um, amazing. That's amazing work for twenty thousand from that attorney too. Yeah, and given how much um, fucking press there was, you know, like, you know, it, it, it's not press that looking back on it, I'm particularly proud of. You know, it was fucking idiotic. Even though 
when uh, and it was like there, there were rounds of press. There was when it happened, press all over the world. Then they uh, they fucking sentenced me to thirty days in jail, and that was headline city. The fact, like, Steve-O sentenced to 30 days in jail for fucking Shamu, <laughs> you know? Fucking protesting SeaWorld. It was, it was a little bit of a, a, a fucking total score, but to anybody who really looked at, at what, what it was, it was just so dumb doing it where I did it. It had nothing to do with SeaWorld, you know? Like, it was nowhere near SeaWorld. It was all the first first responders. I was blowing up fireworks in, in Hollywood, like, during a drought. Like, I, you know, with the hell... It, it was an asshole move. And, and I was on probation for, uh, for three years. I was on probation. Um... And uh, I had to do all kinds of community service. They, they, they let me do community service at animal shelters and uh, for this um, humane society program where I went around uh, underserved neighborhoods um, signing people up for free spay and neuter for their pets. So I, I was in fucking heaven with my community oh, that's service. Great. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was killer. You and, were uh, and when I... You were sentenced 30 to thirty days, days but, but what did you serve? Like five hours? How did that happen? Eight hours. Eight hours. Yeah, I was from, from when I from dude, they let me film turning myself to I showed up at the fucking and then dude, thank God that I made my gnarly special multimedia because everything I talk about throughout the special you actually see, you know, the footage of it had cut in. And I think it it worked so well. But I I showed up at the the fucking the what do you call it the correctional uh, facility the twin towers jail to turn myself in for my 30-day sentence i climb up on the fucking correctional facility fucking sign and do a backflip off of it like just like yeah here i am i go in there and i'm like here i am i turn myself in they let it they let us film the whole fucking thing like how we went how they like like they let us film them handcuffing me and leading me into the fucking jail, which I cannot fucking believe. And um, and then they they uh, basically took my picture and let me go. I mean, it was eight hours from when I showed up at the jail to when I walked out of the jail. And the reason for that is uh, two things: um, overcrowding. You know, like they don't even want. Uh, or they, I mean, I shouldn't say they don't want. They they don't have room to keep anybody who's a nonviolent offender. Basically, they're gonna they're just. And then on top of that, they don't. There's no upside for the jail uh, in having a high profile uh, inmate. There's just no upside. Like anything like bad happens, that like they they view it all as liability and downside. So, so yes, yeah, so they let me out in fucking eight hours, which to me was hilarious. So what was the eight hours like? What what did you do in those eight hours? Uh, I mean, mostly it's just being processed in. You know, like uh, you're 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 in a holding cell. You know, you're waiting for them to like get your fingerprints and uh, you know. At one point, like uh, I. I was picking out a book I was going to read, <laughs> you know, like getting ready to settle were, in. Yeah, they were, and um, I, you know, I I knew as well that I was going to be in protective custody. That's what it's called when you're a, a high profile inmate. You know, they they don't want they don't want fucking to deal with any bullshit of uh, like you being attacked or anything. 
And so, like, and, and from back in the day, it was my my uh, second experience in that same uh, sort of high profile jail situation in the same facility, because I when I was arrested for uh, the other thing, and I was facing eight years in prison. Uh, I showed up in there and, and, and they pulled me out of my cell. I had just gotten my back tattoo and they pulled me out of my cell to take pictures of me. They were giving me like boxes of cookies. This is back in 2002. They were like, oh, dude, uh, you're, you're all good here, man. Fucking, um, you know, like uh, we call this Robert Downey Jr. unit. We call this the Robert Downey Jr. block. You know, and and uh, and the cell you're in right now—that's ODB's cell. He's always in here. You know, and oh, well, just uh, they're used to like treating the the celebrities nicely. I mean, I guess so. Pretty much, man. Uh, they were they were they they were really cool to me back in 2002, and they were super cool to me. Uh, and and whatever it was, it was uh, December of 2015. What did you almost go to jail for eight years for? Uh, man, it was fucking awful. And, uh, you know, th this is in the gnarly special where I talk about how I got arrested for stapling my balls to my leg. Right. But in fact, in fact, uh, there were two charges. One was felony obscenity because this was this this was in uh, in in Louisiana and in, 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 in Louisiana. There's not counties like there are in the states there's parishes and there's like sort of religious overtones and like you know like the new orleans is this wild mardi gras party out of control but once you get outside of new orleans louisiana's pretty fucking crazy in the way they operate and i had a show outside of new orleans in louisiana in 2002 and during this show, a couple things happened. I stapled my ball sack to my leg, and as I did this, and this is with the, the old tour, which I promoted by saying, I will be drunk and on drugs, or your That's money back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or your money back. And, and every show on stage, I would get drunk, fucking on stage pounding tequila out of the bottle. I would have audience members fucking chugging bottles of tequila. It was a fucking liability central shit right. show. And I was on drugs every time. And and as I was uh, covered in blood, like every show I was covered in blood, I was barfing all over the stage. Like, uh, cause I would break a light bulb over my head and slash my tongue so I was bleeding all over myself. This was every night. It was every fucking night, and I would staple, staple my balls to my leg during the show. Like, uh, I'd be set on fire. I'd fucking I'd be pissing into it. I'd be sit, pissing into a cup, and I'd be like, who wants to drink my piss? And people would be like, yeah. Oh. So I'd bring people out. Yeah. Oh, people would be God. jumping up and down. Who wants to get kicked in the nuts, dude? It was a fucking... It was a fucked up circus, dude. And uh, at, at one point, at the point that night in Louisiana, when I was stapling my balls to my leg, I just happened to say into the microphone, I said, this is not art. This is strictly to be offensive. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that because it's totally art, you know? And, uh, and somebody in the crowd was videotaping right now it wouldn't have been a big deal like the stapling of the balls to my leg while i was covered in blood saying that i was just trying to be offensive but at another point in the show that bottle of tequila that i mentioned i had it sitting on the stage like towards the front of the stage and at one point 
uh, somebody kind of crawled up onto the stage and grabbed the bottle. Now the bouncers noticed this happening. They were not. They fucking zipped over with lightning speed and fucking incredible efficiency and fucking got that bottle back from this person. I was impressed by the bouncer's response to this theft of my tequila bottle. These bouncers, as it would turn out, were, uh, were football players for the local college team, which I think was a pretty successful college team. Well, in any case, these huge bouncers, these huge bouncers impressed me. So I... Just off the cuff, impromptu, yes. I said to the crowd, I said to the crowd, these bouncers are fucking badass. Who wants to try to run across this stage past the bouncers? Oh, God. We'll, we'll call it British Bulldog, and they're ready to fuck somebody up. Who wants to try it? <laughs> you know? Down. The bouncers were all into it? Yeah. They were down, man. They were super down, and and and, and everybody wants to do it. But this one kid was just jumping higher than everybody else. He was just all excited, and I just could see the kid's excitement. So I said, "You." The kid was like, you know, very small. He was, I think, nineteen years old. He got, and I orchestrated the whole thing. So the kid lines up, and I said, "I'm filming it." I said, "On your mark, go." Whatever, so the kid runs. It was pretty anticlimactic. The kid just ran right into the bouncers and they grabbed him, right? But as an afterthought, sort of, and clearly on the own, the bouncer's own initiative, two of them together, they lifted this kid up in the air and fucking body slammed oh, him on the stage. Whoa. And yeah, and like they body slammed the kid like largely onto his head. You know, and he was the kid was knocked out, Whoa. unconscious. He was just twitching on the stage, Holy unconscious. Shit. I think, I think he was like bleeding out of his ear, like. And you know, it was a fucking pretty bad scene, man. It was a pretty bad scene, and like you know, the whole purpose of the clowns in the circus is for when. Uh, when somebody falls off the trapeze or whatever, the clowns are supposed to run in and divert attention. You know, that was like the whole purpose of clowns. You know, like the show's got to go on. The clowns come in be like, hey, you know, we're good. Yeah, we're all, you know, so I've got this like built in. The show must go on. And so dude, the kids twitching on the stage and I say into the microphone or whatever, they, the kids are being loaded into an ambulance at that point. And I go, that kid's on a stretcher being loaded into an ambulance. Is that what we came here to see? <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah! You know, it was just, it was just not not good. So, so the, the kid who... Uh, the, 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 the person who was videotaping this performance was, uh, you know, felt like, okay, I've, I've documented something with this camera that's probably like, and they gave it to the news. Then when they gave it to the news, the news was like, oh, well, this isn't as much of a news story as a crime. And then the, the, so, the news, so the news passed the tape on to the, uh, the, onto the, the city attorney. And the city attorney was like, oh, well, fuck this guy. And, uh, and so they charged, and by the time the charges were filed, I was back in Los Angeles, and um, and so they so they put me on the fugitive list, right? But here's the thing that the fugitive I landed at number one on the fugitive list by a mile, by a mile, dude, because the fucking uh, they char they they set my bail for the charge of principal to second degree battery. You know, it was a felony for, for, for orchestrating the thing where the kid got slammed on his head. 
and they they set the bail for that at two hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Uh or or was it one hundred and twenty thousand? Or one point one two, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, I think it was, or one point two. Yeah, I don't know, two something like that. But they also charged me with felony obscenity for stapling my balls to my legs to the parish and they're like you know how is that a felony a felony obscenity i've never heard of such a charge well right i mean there are there there have been notable charges um jim morrison was charged with felony obscenity in florida i think for showing his wiener on stage uh lenny bruce was charged with felony obscenity two live crew was famously charged with felony obscenity so that charge that charge added me to the list of American heroes. Fantastic! And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and and right, and 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 they set my bail for the obscenity charge at a full one million dollars. So I I landed on the fel- the felony fugitive list with like one point two million or one point one two million. I'm not sure which dollar bail and that's the highest bail i was number one on the list they scooped me up and took me to the la uh correctional facility and i want to mention too that that's like uh uh a little fucking morsel of this juicy ass book that i wrote right and i've got my book not only is it just a crazy book but it's a really fucking great book as evidenced by the five-star rating that it's maintained on amazon Right, I love just this book is is so beautiful and fucked up and crazy. And if you buy it from my website stevo.com, every copy is personally autographed. And I loved, I loved, I love getting my book out there. I love to get my book out there. And my new gnarly special, I love you that too. You fulfill them directly. How how is it you're able to sign each one? I buy the books with an author discount. Oh. Uh, they get they get they get shipped to my house, sort of like if I was a store, like the uh, same thing as if I was uh, a, you know a book bookstore, and they ship the books to my house. And when I say I personally, I don't personalize them. They shipped in my house, and I autograph every, I sign every copy, I sign every, I, yeah, I sign. I spent a lot of time signing, and it's rad. For, you know, I, I sign every copy, and then I, and then my dude brings the books to the UPS and ships them to our fulfillment house. So, what is the name of the book? Stevo, professional idiot, Steve, a memoir. Steve, wow, beautiful, and that's yeah. on Amazon. I'm gonna buy that right now. I'm gonna buy it right after Don't, this. Yeah, I wouldn't buy it on Amazon. I'd buy it from Stevo.com, so you could have it per, autographed. You know, you want to you want to have the autograph copy, but for you, my brother, I'll fucking make one out next time I see it, dude. I'll fucking I'll give you. A, I would love that. I'll give you a, a special one. So here's what I'm going to encourage everybody listening to do: go to stevo.com, buy gnarly for ten dollars. It's going to be an an absolutely mind blowing hour special. And then when you're done, Zach with- can 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 Zach chime in again and just Zach, uh, do you have an endorsement for gnarly? It, my jaw was fucking <laughs> dropped and I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my 22 years of life that is by far the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life yeah, Zach, well, Zach has you, been dude. raving about the show uh, uh, behind the scenes he has been yeah. I appreciate that so much man you know it sucks that we, that we waited for so long for my triumphant return to the H3 podcast but you know but waiting that long I really think uh I think that we made another hit, dude. Yeah, it was I awesome. I think we made another hit. 
I can't. I mean, it's always a pleasure to listen. I mean, you're you're full of so many uh, incredible stories, and uh, such a great guy. I love having you on here. Gnarly. When you're done watching Gnarly, buy the book. Get it signed. Stevo.com is your one-stop shop for Stevo-related yeah. paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. The book you can actually use PayPal. It's super easy to check out. But, dude, the gnarly special is so fucked up and full of fucking dick and grievous bodily harm and fucking graphic drug abuse and just criminal shit <laughs> that if uh, if I, I put it out with PayPal... Like, it wouldn't last 24 hours. It'd be shut down as pornography. Like, porn sites... Yeah, porn sites, you can never use PayPal, you know? Oh. And uh, and it was it was only before we before we went live with it, so one of us had this thought, hmm, I wonder if that gets, if if, uh, if PayPal shuts it down, then they, they shut down the whole online operation, you know? We, then we can't sell anything. So we were like, oh shit, let's let's ask about this. And we did a little poking around, and it turns, turns out that you have, we had to have, uh, special bank approval with a special account at a bank which has, uh, quote, an appetite for high-risk credit card transactions, wow. which is what they call it. Yeah, what so bank has get, that appetite? Um, I want to say it's in Canada somewhere. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically any bank, any, uh, like, porn you know, like a webcam girls, like more sketchy kind of CBD, you know, like uh, sort of dark web shit. And that um, is my is my explanation for why you you have to do the. It's just fucking sketchy. Wait, how do you pay for the? Shit. How do you pay for the thing? Because I had Dan buy it for me. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put it in the. It's not that weird. You just have to actually plug in the credit card. And this is my this is this is my explanation, my apology for not having a quicker, easier checkout. Is that the the quicker, easier, you know, PayPal, Amazon Pay, that type of thing would be more it would be more convenient, but those people don't like uh porn. Arguably bestiality when uh that rock hard fucking elk is but yeah, fucking me. I wanna, so was there an act actually? Was did he penetrate you? No, I I I didn't have a hole in the the, the costume I was wearing. But there's a scene but, where an elk uh is fully torched and humped. Huge and it dick. looked like he was fucking you, dude. Yeah, but it was I was like, really wow, thrusting. Oh yeah, because I was like, I'm not sure that you could legally show you right. being penetrated by an animal, but you did. I, I yeah. um many uh. PayPal would have called that problematic. That was the first thing and the only thing that, would, that really entered the conversation as, hey, this got to go. And I said, I said, fuck no. Keep looking for fucking banks. <laughs> we're gonna find. We're gonna. We're, we're gonna find the fucking bank that's okay with that fucking rock hard elk butt fucking me. <laughs> I love the idea of someone at the bank being like. Watching the whole special and then being like, <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> yeah, and then wait until the follow-up, you know, is ready. I'm going to go to the same bank and we're like, okay, so now I'm actually fucking, <laughs> now I'm at, now it's me that's hard and I'm fucking coming everywhere and I got to do, <laughs> I got to do that. But I think, 
I think we're already in bed with the right partner. So yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think you are. I think you found your partner for life there. Yeah, well, Steve-O, congratulations. I'm so happy to see you doing well. You've got your podcast. You've got all your specials and everything and, you know, all your charity work and everything. It's just so nice to see. And, and Dude, you know, thank you, man. It's, it's thank awesome, you so much. Man. I'm super happy. Dude, likewise, man. I cannot tell you. I, I, I have told you, but I can't really, like, the, the frequency with which I've heard about Dude, I heard you on the H three podcast. Like the uh, the frequency with the dude. I saw that fuck you and H three. It's great, man. When are you gonna do it again? What's Ethan really like? You know, like you know, I I dude, I hear it a lot, and uh, you know, I'm just stoked that I'm stoked that the world is the way it is. That you know, people like us can kind of take the power of the media into our own hands. You know, like when I do certain podcasts and I think I probably did this the last time I was on with you, I said, Hey, like, because with podcasting, you know, like retention is a thing, you know, and a lot of people don't stick around to the very end, you know, like we have the audience fall off, but it's the hardcore fucking like dedicated fans who stick around to the very end. I always address them at the end of, of every episode of my podcast, wild ride with Steve-O. And I like to say, thank you for sticking around to the very end of this podcast. You guys are the ones that really matter the most. And I always ask that my, uh, the, the, my I call them the street team. I say, please take a screenshot of this podcast and, and, and post it with tags for me and my guests to let my guests know that, they, that you enjoyed it, you know? And to kind of, you know, you made it all the way through and that uh, and to, to help me get the word out and then build up this podcast and that's why I call those people the street team and so for the H3 street team mm. you know I, I want to ask you guys who made it all the way through to shoot me a tweet let me know that that, that you yeah, made it sure. all the way through let's do something they can send which is like a <laughs> do like uh yeah oh, you know but, but we're gonna be putting it out with proper videos so really okay. I just yeah wanna... oh yeah yeah that one <laughs> Okay, yeah. so so if you guys watch all the way through to the end, send this image to Steve-O. <laughs> People will be like, what the fuck? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The real ones know. Only the real ones know. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it's something we should start up for you, man. The H3 Street. I like it a lot, dude. I like yeah, it. Yeah, so, you know, you want, dude, I don't know when this goes out, but as we recorded this, like fucking fresh live on my uh, podcast channel. I got Mike Tyson today. Oh, I love Mike yeah. Tyson. He's such a fucking guy. That's that should be really dude. fun. It's a really fun one, man. I've been so fortunate with my guests, dude. Shaquille O'Neal, Mike. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> your guests. How the was, fuck did that happen, list dude? It's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, I look forward. But to so so is yours, man. Your guest list is epic. Well, starting with you. I don't know that I was uh, that early on, but uh, but yeah, man, dude, it's a real pleasure to reconnect, dude. And, yeah, and, um, yeah. I, I, I want Same you to know that the cameras aside, I just really appreciate you, man. Thank you. Uh, man. We've made some of our, my favorite content together. I mean, I, we were talking on the phone. You know, I don't think there's any other YouTube video where they've uh, successfully cut somebody's nuts off, and the video's still on YouTube. I mean, so we hold that yeah. distinction together. 
demonetized, but still there. It's still there. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. Yeah, dude. My YouTube channel is not big on monetization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still there, right? Still there. It's still there, dude. That's right. Have you got your uh, diamond plaque yet? How far? No. The thing is, we pivoted. How? We don't really post on the main channel anymore, so. Right. So, no, we're, n we're, n we're not on the diamond path. Dude, I'm still fighting the fight, man. I'm on both channels, but not. But I'm more regular with the podcasts. Yeah. In any case, I think we've we've. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, diver, di digressed. <laughs> yeah, we have. We've, digressed. Dig we've, we've digressed into personal conversation. We should leave leave the street team to their business, their hard work of promoting our shows. Yes, yes. And yes. Uh, and and they've got they've got a gnarly comedy special to watch. And a book to read. Yeah, you guys should click <laughs> off and, and get on that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve. Awesome, Take care, man. Hey, thank, Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, brother. All right. Yeah.